Hi everybody, and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us, and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we welcome Greg Levine onto the Gold Dust podcast. Greg was previously a managing director at Audi and was the worldwide exec director at McLaren Automotive. He's now the managing director of sales and distribution at Vitality Health, as well as being a director at a football league club. Greg's experiences, knowledge and successes have transferred across multiple fields and arenas. He certainly shares some gold dust with us today. I'm sure you'll take something from it yourself. Remember, if you do enjoy today's episode, please rate and review it, because we always love hearing your feedback. Hi, Greg. Welcome. Hi, Keith. Hi, David. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk to you all today. Now, Greg, first question. So, gold dust to us is sprinkling particles of knowledge on people's lives to help them. What does gold dust mean to you? Well, David, thank you. And a uh, great question to start, by the way. I think, firstly, I think gold dust is a great name. And I think sprinkling part- particles of knowledge is, is, is a great way to put it across. For me, gold dust is about sprinkling a bit more magic also. I always refer to, to gold dust as those magical moments and um, I, I always find gold dust is that energy, that vibrancy that you, you kind of want to sprinkle over things to bring them to life. So maybe I love fairy tales, but that's how I, uh, I view gold dust. When we refer to gold dust, it has uh, a connotation to elements of success, Greg. If you had to define success, how would you describe it? You know, for me, success is, a, is, is, is really interesting because I think Steve Jobs said it best. He, at one of his inauguration speeches, he spoke about how you can only connect the dots backwards. It's one of the truest phrases I've ever heard because you live life, for, life forward, but you only actually can understand it backwards. And I guess as I've gone through my life, my definition of success has changed. So uh, for me now, success is really viewed as making the most of every single day, you know, whether it's in terms of the great family bonds that you create, the friendships, the career you build, the, uh, the, uh, the joy that you have. For me, success in life is about just living life to the full. Uh, and that's probably how I'd, I'd sum it up, Keith. So on the back of that, Greg, what do you believe are trademark behaviors of successful people? You know, over time, I've seen and I've met quite a lot of successful people and, and engaged them in different areas. I mean, I, I can only talk about my own personal experience. And I always find the most successful people I've engaged with are, are often the most curious. You know, they, 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 they have very curious minds. They're always looking at different angles. And um, I always find if you can marry curiosity and have this you know, this, this, this never-ending quest for knowledge. And you can combine that with a, a drive, a persistency. You know, that's when the magic really happens. And, and if you can look at countless different examples of people who have 
curious minds looking at different angles of doing things and then passionately going after those objectives with rigor, absolute rigor and discipline. And, and, and uh, you know, there's countless examples. I mean, Dr. Seuss is a great example for me. I mean, he sold 650 million books worldwide. And uh, he was an incredible curious mind around writing children's stories. But he had 27 rejections from publishers before he ever published his first book. And I think that combination of curiosity and persistence <laughs> is the real key to success. I guess there's lots of other variables, and we'll explore them during the podcast. Um, but I'd probably say that would be my, my one ingredient that I would say is absolutely pivotal to, to really breaking through and creating something exceptional. Yeah, and I got to agree with you there. I know we, we talk about that in our book about curiosity and a will and a want to learn and explore new ways because I think you never really stop learning. Now, with yourself, if we were to strip it back to your earlier years, what was it that got you interested in business? I get, look, I'm, I'm a creative person. I love to create things. So for me, it was uh, in the early years, it was always about how could, could I be involved in, in creating products, creating something interesting, or even creating a story, creating something that I'd be really proud of being associated with. And that started really, really early on in my career. And I spent 25 years in the motor industry, um, working for different car companies. And, and probably the most you know, uh, uh, exciting thing for me was always to be part of of shaping something for the future. I spent quite a few years living in Italy, designing and developing cars. That was incredibly exciting because I worked with the various design houses of Alfa Romeo, Lancia, Fiat, coming up with all new concepts and all new ways of creating cars. And, and that for me was incredibly fulfilling. Um, and I think that laid the foundation for, for my career in general. So what was the what was the key things that got me interested in business? I guess it was always this curious mind. I was, I was interested in sport, I was interested in business, but it was more about how do, you, how, do you, how do you create a creative force which results in products or services that are different from what's out there? And, and, and I love that kind of stuff and I still do today. So curiosity is a key word that's constantly being used here, Greg. I think that'll be uh, probably the backbone behind this particular podcast. But, but what do you attribute your success to? You're obviously curious, but there's got to be more than just that. It don't just work. It just doesn't happen. There's got to be something where you put in a footprint. What is that footprint? What does it look like? So, so it's, I mean, I guess the thing for me is I've never believed in luck. I don't believe in luck. I believe you create the conditions of success. And, and that creating of those conditions of success increases the surface area of luck to land if that makes any sense to you because you create a bigger surface area for luck to land and great things happen so i've always believed if you create those conditions of success and you work really hard at setting those up you then have the opportunity for magic to happen so there's your gold dust sprinkling all over that that, that area i think the next point to that you know you, you you asked me what's after the conditions of success i actually am obsessed with less if that makes any sense. I always use a phrase, the, the vital few from the trivial many. And I always encourage people who talk to me about what they want to do is, is, is I try and distill it down to two or three really simple concepts. Uh, and great businesses are built on simple, easy concepts. So if you, you take a, a, an idea, you create those conditions of success, you distill it down to something very, very simple. And then the next step is then you create this environment to be successful. You know, and I, I, I think we'll explore this during the podcast, but I, I believe that companies don't succeed. People do. 
And I cannot stress how I've seen it uh, happen time and time and time again, where you see that uh, the essence of great companies is the great people who stand behind those companies. So you create that environment to be successful. And uh, we, I, we can explore that later. What does that look like? It's something I'm, I'm very happy to talk through. But if you can then create that environment and create a learning circle of reflection and growth, Keith, that's when the magic happens. That's when the gold dust is sprinkled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you remember a time specifically when you, you made the decision that, or made a decision that turned out to be highly successful for you? I can also, yes, for sure. I can also, I can also share the times when I made bad decisions. But then I think the key to life is to make a decision. You know, I think that's the, you know, you've got to make decisions. Uh, as leaders, we make decisions. We try and gather as much information as we can, and we make the most informed decision that we can. And, uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, I've made certain decisions that have been amazing. And some of them have been quite lucky, if you want to know the truth. You know, I did a, a really interesting deal where uh, I, I uh, had this idea to go and talk to the Microsoft Xbox team to uh, to actually discuss with them the um, whether every single new Xbox, when Xbox was launched, would have a McLaren P1 on the box. And it was one of these crazy ideas where I said, you know what, if we can actually create an environment where every kid around the world is actually driving a McLaren, the knock-on effect to build the brand will be quite phenomenal. So I met with their CEO. We had a brilliant session. And lo and behold, um, when they had the big E3 convention in, uh, in L.A., uh, they showed the uh, the new Xbox and out of the stage popped a McLaren P1. And every single uh, Xbox that was sold had a P1 on the box. I mean, that's how you create dreams. So, yes, I would say to you, David, that would be my my one kind of wild bet that paid huge dividends. And to this day, I'm still proud of it. When you reflect back to that time, though, Greg, there's obviously a, a visionary inside of that. And you rightly say making the decisions the first important thing, but of course, when we decide not to make a decision, we made a decision anyway, but you decided yeah, to step exactly. forward. And when you went to Microsoft and put forward your, your, your case and then out comes this vision. But do you know, when you reflect back to that time now, what state of mind were you in prior to making that decision? I, I think the key was for me, I mean, I'm, I'm quite, quite reflective around state of mind and that's a great question because very often we don't spend enough time to actually understand our state of mind uh, and for me that's the first step of actually understanding yourself uh, I, and I often talk to people about really reflecting and knowing how they are at different points because that will that'll determine that if I think of my state of mind then it was it was all about how do we disrupt the status quo you know, you're up against Ferrari, Lamborghini, you're up against established brands. How do you actually do something that's going to get noticed with a very small budget? So my, my state of mind was all about um, being incredibly, you know, adventurous and doing something out of the norm. And, and that was gave me confidence. And I probably think, had I been in a more established business, I might not have done this. And I guess that's why uh, entrepreneurial businesses are, are more dynamic very often than big established businesses, because people don't have the resources at their disposal. They don't have the standard toolkit that everybody uses, and they need to think outside the box in order to, uh, to get things done. So um, it was really exciting time, Keith. And I, it's one of those moments in life when I thought anything was possible, which is a great feeling. 
Yeah. <laughs> go it and is. go, nothing to it lose. Is, you know. <laughs> There's nothing to lose. So, so Lou, I'm, I'm going to delve a little bit deeper with that because I think, I think for sure the characteristics, your inherent qualities, that visionary and curious person that lives inside of you. But what is it that got you into that state of mind? So it's okay we talk about it, but how did you get into that state of mind in the first place? It's a tricky question to answer. I mean, I, I, I will build on your point around reflection because I think Ray Dalio says it best, and I'm obsessed with this quote. He says, pain plus reflection equals growth. Pain plus reflection equals growth. And I think it's such a powerful statement. And, and so often in life, you know, we, you know, you need to have a bit of pain plus that bit of reflection to actually to generate that, that growth. Uh, Keith, I think the honest answer is in order to be able to take brave moves and take brave steps, you've just got to be open-minded to, to those kind of concepts and those ideas. The biggest risk with leaders in general is um, an element of arrogance starts to creep into your thinking. You, you, you go into a zone where you think you have all the answers and you stop listening to the people who actually have the insights and the, and the answers. You know, I had a very interesting saying, which I, I share with my staff very regularly. I turn around and I say, we must aim as a business to take a decision at the point of most knowledge, not hierarchy. Mm. And uh, to live that is not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. So um, to answer your question, I guess, <laughs> for me, it was always about how do you take away the noise and, and focus on, on what really needs to be done? Uh, and um, yeah, I hope that I hope uh, this example well, kind of gives you a well, bit of the way of how I operate. Yeah, well, how do you do that? How do you do it? How do I take away the noise? <laughs> um, well, right now I've got uh, um, <laughs> headsets in, which are brilliant. And I actually joke, I say, you know, noise cancelling headsets are brilliant because uh, they take away the noise so you can hear the music. But isn't that true about life too? You know, uh, how do you take away the noise to 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 focus on things? And I, I think that for me is the essence of greatness when you can actually distill uh, things down and remove noise. So I'm very big on taking away distractions. I'm very uh, focused on deep focus. I will make sure I don't look at my mails when I'm in a meeting with somebody. I'll make sure I'm not always on. I'll find time to make sure I give myself those moments to think and reflect. If I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm, I'm in the conversation with them. And that's helped me a lot, Keith. Um, I, I, I went through phases where uh, I used to have alerts on my phone, alerts on my computer. There were pings everywhere. Everywhere pings. I mean, you can never focus when the world is pinging around you. So especially for the younger people listening to this podcast today, I cannot stress enough how important it is you give yourself quiet time uh, if you want to achieve greatness. You will not achieve greatness in a noisy world. You, you can't think at a strategic level. So Keith, that would be my my recipe to, to, to kind of be able to create that focus, if that makes any sense. Greg, I don't know if you've read Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. Absolutely. And in fact, how funny is this? I read his new one over the weekend oh. around uh, um, banishing email, I think it was called. In fact, I've got it behind me here. Um, but I think Cal Newport stuff's brilliant mm -hmm. because it is exactly, it's exactly that, David. It's about finding that, that peace of mind um, to make you more effective. So, yeah, I am a bit of a fan. Well, good, good shout out there. I agree. Yeah. Well, it was something that I read last. It was, it would have been January, February last year where the world is, it's full of distractions. Uh, you've got your social media, your phone, your laptop. There's people around that full of distractions. And it, 
it was an eye opener for me to to look at it from a different perspective where it's better just put everything away and really hone in and focus on something for a period of time to get things done. Because you, when you get all these distractions, it, there's so much going on. And I think a little bit that might be the, that's the noise as well. I, I cannot agree with you more. And it's also, I'll, I'll add to your thinking a little bit there. What I found is a bit of a formula for me is absolutely to find that quiet time. But what I find really useful, if I ever get frustrated with a problem, you know, whether I'm in, my, in a business problem, I love to talk to people who've got nothing to do with the business, purely to create a conversation piece that's totally different. And I actually sometimes find that is a very powerful way for me to gain insight again, to get perspective. Because sometimes you get so close to problems that you can't actually see the wood for the trees. And very often, if you take that step back and give yourself that space, and that often comes from speaking to interesting people, listening to great podcasts. I'm a massive fan of podcasts. I love yours. I think you have some incredibly good insights. And that gives a lot of perspective. So, uh, you know, big, big thumbs up for me from the great work you guys are doing. I appreciate that. Now, Greg, for you, it's very evident for those that are listening that you get excited about stuff. So you talked about the McLaren P1 on the Xbox. Now, when it comes to projects and when it comes to things that excite you, do you see the big picture? Do you look at things in the big picture or do you look at the small picture and the smaller details? Look, I'm, I'm somebody who, who's obsessed with kind of big ideas. You know, I like to, to kind of see what things can be. And uh, I'm also a realist in terms of the things that I can influence and that I can't influence. So I'm very careful not to, to kind of get overly worked up about things I can't change. But for me, so for example, with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with McLaren, it was all about, can we take on the big supercar brands? You know, we launched the business from nothing hugely exciting you know and and i always used to remember the the story i used to tell my staff was quite funny because you know everyone has big vision and mission statements and everything and i just said here's my dream i sold a dream i didn't sell a mission statement or i said you know what if you go to any kid in a schoolyard today in the uk and ask them what car do they want when they're big they'll say a ferrari an aston or a lamborghini i said my dream is that 20 years from now you'll go into the same schoolyard and say what car do you want when you're big and they'll say i want a mclaren and somehow that story really resonated with people. And that is the one common thing. I, 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 do I like big picture? Yes. What I find even more powerful is this kind of a, a depicting what a story could look like. You know, if I look at my current role now, I'm in, involved in the business, which all we are all about making people healthier. It's like such an incredible purpose. You know, we, we, we are there to, to make you healthier and we protect you while, while, while you're going through this phase. And that in itself is the kind of narrative or story that I love to get behind because it creates that future big picture for me. Hmm. I like the, um, <laughs> you sold the dream, not a mission statement. I like that. I, I think you sell dreams. You sell dreams. People don't buy into dull mission statements. They buy into dreams. If, they, if you can paint a future shape, a scenario for them of what it could look like, that's when magic happens. That's when the gold dust sprinkles everywhere throughout the organization. <laughs> I'm going to... David, can I just... Uh, Greg, I, I'm curious because I've got that curious mind. Good. Come on, me. David. Come on, Keith. Keep, keep, keep going. Let's go. Yes. So, so listen, you, you sell dreams, and I love that. David made a great point. It's, it's just 
but I'm not going to let it go that. Do we sell dreams or do you sell the feeling? Wow, great. I mean, you know what? I think you, 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 people follow things they can sit, they visualize. You know, I'll tell you a funny, you know, you, 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 sell, you sell concepts that people can relate to. Let's talk cars for one moment. You'll have a bit of a laugh here. So we launched the P1. I think the, for me, the ultimate sports car uh, 10 years ago. And we went out with all these press releases around how incredible this car's handling was and how brilliant the car performed. It was the first hybrid supercar. But you know what the funny thing was? I sat down with uh, one of the design directors and he drew a little picture of a baby elephant sitting on the back of the car. And I went to the press and said, you know what? The P1's downforce is so great. It's the equivalent of having a little elephant sitting on the back of the car. And guess what? Everyone could relate to it. And that's the magic. I think that's a small example of, of just how you can, you need to find ways that people can relate to things. And if it's around a future vision or a dream, um, you've got to create an end state that people believe in. And, and, and if you do that, and the great leaders in this world do, look at, look at the likes of Steve Jobs. Look at the way he created the vision of what the art of possible is. Look at Amazon. Look at Jeff Bezos. He, he literally, one of the most amazing stories, he didn't even know where he was going to work. He didn't have an office, but he packed up his, his office in New York and got in the car and started driving to work out where he's going to make his head office. But he knew that he had an end game in plan. Uh, you know, he had an end game in mind, sorry. And, uh, and, and that's where that's, you know, there's a lot of dreamer stories within the, the, the great success stories out there. Sure. I'm going to ask another question on the back of that as well. <laughs> You've talked about sure. dreams. Humans are emotional creatures and storytelling enables people to digest and remember information because it, it connects information to emotion. When you're doing that, how important is storytelling and is it something that you use? I mean, I, I do. I, I use storytelling, but I always base it in, I always grounded in rational thinking too. You know, you never want to be someone who is seen to be, out, you know, kind of, I was going to say uh, up, up with the fairies, but um, it, it's kind of like they, you've got to remain grounded in, in your thinking. So I, as an individual, what I will do is, is I spend a lot of time trying to create an environment. I spoke about the conditions of success and it's about creating an environment where people actually understand the story, but also understand the key elements, which is going to help make the story take place. So what are the key attributes that we need to deliver in order to, to create the, the, the real success story? And then that's where I start coming back to my initial statement. That's where I don't believe in luck because uh, if you don't have a story and all the conditions of success to make it become a reality, it's never going to happen. And um, that would probably be my, my, uh, my feedback. I, I mean, I, David, it's quite interesting. I could share some of the, the more, much more detail around how we go about doing that engagement. But, you know, I'll leave that to you to decide what you want to talk about. Well, uh, this question might get some of it out. Some years ago, you spoke at the Royal Albert Hall about the seven rules for winning. Can you share those rules with us? Well, it's funny you refer to that because I actually haven't spoken about it for uh, for probably about seven years, um, uh, and uh, it was a, it was a, a quite a proud moment um, because I, I I took a call and someone said to me, "Will you will you will you speak about leadership?" And I said, "Well, okay, where?" And they told me where it was and they told me who I was speaking in between, and I had the I had the brilliant slot 
of being in between uh, Dame Ellen McCarthy and Sir Randolph Fiennes. So I thought to myself, hold on, you're in the middle of these two legends and you're going to have to talk about something that's going to grab the attention of, of the audience when after you is going to be one of the greatest living explorers alive. So I put a lot of effort into it. And, I, and that's the interesting thing, you know, David, I, I put together a paper which took me six months to put together and it, 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 I interviewed all of the Formula One team at the time. And at that time we had Jensen Button as our driver and Lewis Hamilton. And it was a, you know, McLaren was quite a, quite a machine. Uh, Jonathan Neal, the whole lot. And it was quite interesting. Um, I, I came away with some really, really interesting uh, sound bites. Uh, and um, I don't know, yeah, if you, I'm very happy to, 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 to talk through some of them with you. Uh, I touched on one early on actually, which was, uh, you know, make a decision at the point of most, most hierarchy. Um, at most knowledge, not hierarchy. And I think that is a very, very key point um, in, in, in any business. I think uh, you need to create psychological ease. You've heard this quite a lot lately. Uh, you need to, people need to feel they can make a mistake. You're never going to drive an entrepreneurial culture in a fear environment. You know, people really need to feel that their boss has empowered them to, to make mistakes. And I think you see the most incredible growth in individuals if you show faith in them. Uh, I, that's the one ingredient I've always seen time and time again. Believe in someone and they'll exceed your expectations. So that psychological ease was really important um, as, as part of that, uh, that process. I think also of, of absolute key is incredible candor. So uh, you, you've got to have an open, transparent communicative relationship and I, I i'm a big fan of open transparent communication candor is everything and i also stress that you need to be task orientated with that candor you know as long as it's criticizing a specific task and it doesn't get personal um for me that is uh that is when you really start seeing um the benefits come through in terms of, of, a, of a, a learning organization and then I, of course i think the uh the you know the other thing is one thing we saw with the, the F1 team, and I've seen it in quite a lot of sports teams and businesses, is short sprints are much more effective than prolonged jogs. If you keep whipping a team for too long and you keep giving them tasks to do, they burn out. Whereas what we saw with the F1 team is that if you really pushed hard, but then you gave them the time to catch their breath again, we actually had far more breakthroughs in the process than when you had this long, sustained um, jog. Because people just actually don't have the energy. And that gets to my final point. So I've, I've, I've rambled on a bit and I've left a few out, but I'm trying to remember it as best as I can because the presentation from a while ago. But the final point was all around energy levels. You know, if you want to be successful, you need to have people who've got the right energy uh, and who are going to bring positivity to a team. You don't want drains. You want energizers. Uh, I mean, here's a great scenario. You've all read Winnie the Pooh. Can you imagine spending your life with Eeyore? You know, um, that wouldn't be fun. And I think that was the final kind of lesson I've always learned is, is you, you really need to, to, to have that, the right attitude of, of people around you. And I'll finish it, uh, David. I've, I've spoken quite a lot here, but I have one very strong saying, which I keep repeating to my staff and even my, my family, is you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose them wisely. I'm loving those seven points. I mean, regardless to wherever our, our journeys have been, you can never stop learning. And I think the, the important part of it all is a sequence of how we put things together. Because really all we're saying here, they're only words, aren't they, at the end of the day. But 
the sequence of how you put the words and the sequence of these seven steps. One in particular, I mean, I, the short sprints. Ah, and I, uh, when he mentioned that, I could, I'm getting a sense of purpose behind it and can see it. And he's going, why haven't I seen this myself? It's very evident that you go on a slog or you go on a long haul and at some point there's going to be a breaking point. But so, Luke, just moving along a little bit. And thank you for sharing those with us. When things do start to get tough for you, because you mentioned it's not always going to be flowers and sunshine. What else to keep you motivated? I, I, look, I'm somebody who, who, who definitely looks at the positive things in life. And I also make sure I have quite a, quite a diverse set of interests. Uh, you know, Keith, as you know, I love my football. I love my sport. I love my music. I, I actually just love how interesting life is. Um, and I find that's really, really helpful uh, to, to, for me to stay on top of um, business-related issues that, where they start to get to me because I need to give myself the space in order to effectively be able to deal with them. So, yeah, I'm human. I think everyone is human. But I, I, dare, I find by putting things into perspective, I, I really have the ability to deal with those difficult moments. And as I touched on earlier, I use academia, podcasts, and interesting conversations to, with people to help just sharpen my mind when I feel like I'm slipping. You'd be amazed how much you can learn by just listening. There's a lot of people in life who think that they learn their greatest lessons at school. I'm quite the contrary. I found I'm learning my greatest lessons now. There's a little saying there, isn't it? Is listen purely, explore deeply. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Listen with intent. You know, when you're with someone, you, are you fully with them or are you partly with them? And to make them feel at ease, we've got to feel at ease to allow it. But listening purely and exploring deeply opens up the little portals inside for us to release that genius within within us absolutely i mean keith you, you've experienced this how often have you gone you know how often do people you, you meet someone for the first time and they spend so much time talking about themselves versus actually being open-minded to learn a little bit more about you yeah um so i would i i think we i think we kindred spirits in terms of the way that we view life which is great <laughs> <laughs> So, Greg, when you're working with people, what qualities do you value most in those people that you're working with or those that are working for you? Mm. So it's quite interesting. It, it, so there's one thing I've definitely learned over the years is that I actually like to hire people who have different skill sets to me. In the early days, I always used to you go for an interview and it's very easy for you to hire someone that's similar to you. And I now find I actually like to hire people that offset for my weaknesses. Because as I've got older in life, I can, I'm more aware of the weaknesses that I've got. So I like to surround myself with people who actually complement my skill set. And that's really been a, a great formula to create winning teams. I might sound a bit repetitive now, David, but I am very much around energy. So I'm very much around, I hire people who've got the right energy and attitude. I think you can teach them the rest, by the way. Um, so if you've got the right energy and attitude, they're curious. In other words, they want to learn. Very important. And Keith touched on this. They've got to be humble too. Um, they have the ability to energize others. So they, 
great energy levels, have the ability to energize others. They have the ability to see round corners. So they've got, an, they've got a kind of a, an, a strategic insight to see what's coming next. And they, they have this really strong willingness to learn and grow. That's the ingredient for me. You know, th those are the people that I cherish. Uh, and, and those are the ones that I've seen do incredibly well uh, throughout my career. And I can, uh, that's really been the, the ingredient that does work. Brave, but realistic uh, and practically pragmatic. But have you developed the ability to balance and filter out the emotions and still be able to make solid informed leadership decisions? Just elaborate on that again, Keith. Are you saying that, yeah. you know, how do I balance out the emotion and yeah. the, and the, and so I'm very pragmatic with regards to um, uh, numbers and results and business plans. You know, I, I do believe that you can create a lot of energy behind things and you can create a lot of enthusiasm, but you've got to ground that in logic and you've got to ground it in, in the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll find that there, there's that really much that yin and yang that I, that I adopt as a leader. And the yin side is very much the real kind of cheerleader, art of possible, big picture. This is where we're going. This is what can be done. And then there's the yang side, which is, you know, but this is the reality of where we are today. These are some of the constraints that we've got. And we need to make sure we operate in those constraints. And I, I you, you know, as I think you, 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 your senior managers would also realize that that's just part and parcel of leadership. But I don't mm. believe you can have the one without the other. I, I don't believe you can just be totally rigorous, totally number focused. Then you'll create a great sustainable organization. You'll never create a visionary one. <laughs> so in the fast paced world of business, how do you then find the balance between leading others, leading those around you and actually being productive and getting your own work done? Uh, look, I think it's, you know, we spoke earlier around just finding that time and I, I, I'm not going to go into uh, a discussion around time management now, but I, I guess you, it's such a key focus of mine. You know, I, I'm religious with regards to seeing my PA every morning to have a, a briefing with her of the day ahead. And uh, I follow that discipline very, very rigorously. I'm very rigorous around the level of one-to-ones I have with my team because I like that one-on-one -on -one engagement. Um, and I'm also quite specific around meetings, you know, and, and just making sure meetings are productive. I'm sure you've sat in meetings which are just totally non-productive, whereby you actually look at your watch. I have a great saying, meetings are places where minutes are taken and hours are lost. And I always am afraid of those kind of meetings because uh, – they actually, uh, you know, you have so many talking, so many opinions. And then I walk out of them and I think, well, what did we actually discuss? So I'm quite hard with my time. You know, I will sit down in any formal meeting or any uh, engagement and say, what do we want to get out of this at the start? You know, what do we want to walk away from uh, at the end of this, this session? And I will drive the discussion towards that. So to be honest with you, I, I don't actually struggle with time. And I, I will find I, I have to work on it and I have to plan quite cleverly how I allocate my time. Um, but I believe there's enough time if you actually quite rigorous around, uh, around how you use it. So time management's one. But in your opinion, what do you believe are the most sought after skills for successful leaders? What else is there in there? I think, I think it depends on the, on the role that you do it. 
You know, I think the one thing I'll never do is paint everyone with the same brush. Different companies need different skills at different times. Different industries require different skill sets. So there isn't any one magic formula. Uh, I guess the, the, the one common dynamic that I've seen is, is that, that really great leaders, um, they just have on a never-ending quest to learn. They're always wanting to learn and better themselves. They're always wanting to read best practice. You know, there's so many, you, you touched on a book earlier today. I'm a massive reader. I love reading. Um, I love the new Bob Iger book, Ride of a Lifetime. It's just incredible how he built Disney, how he actually structured the business, how he built it into something powerful. But in that book, I, I took away some really great insights. So, I mean, we, we could spend probably 10 podcasts talking about what are the, the, the key ingredients I think the key ingredient is just an open-minded curiosity to grow and learn. And that means also learning from your mistakes, learning about your weaknesses, but a never-ending quest to better yourself. What you're providing, Greg, is a, is a sat-nav navigational system here for success. I think the, the more dots that we have in place, the clearer the... Or, or the closer you can get to the panacea, to the outcome. But of course, when we set off, if I wanted to travel down to London, all I need to do is travel south down the M6, maybe pick up the M1, and then it's when I get closer to, I'm going to go into a specific area. Then I start need to, I need more detail. I need more specificity. I need more dots. Now, when it comes to you, We've already spoke that you're a, you like big thinking. Uh, you're a big thinker. You're very creative. You're very curious. You're you're bringing other people who have other varying skill sets to you. But are you more of a connector of the dots then, or are you a converter finisher? So just I just hold that question for a second though, because I just love what you said. I actually have written it down here because I think you you touched on something amazing there. I actually think persistence drives one forward whilst curiosity acts as a navigation. So thank you for that, Keith. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that because I loved what you said. And it's so true. You know, persistence is what drives you, but that curiosity acts as a navigator to get you to, to the point of, of, of where you want to go to. I, I think, you know, you ask me, am, am I more, I'm definitely not the closer. If you want to know the truth, I'm mm. not the person who's, I need closers to work for me. Because yeah. uh, one of the biggest risks I've got is I probably get quite excited about projects and I'm, I'm already moving on to what's the next big idea. So I'm very much in, I, I like to be involved in things in the early phases and I'm very much involved in the connector phase. Uh, but I, I do rely on people uh, to get the final phase over the line. Um, but that said, I don't walk away from it at all. But I, I, I do require some people to support me in terms of getting the details done particularly on certain initiatives. Has that been something that's been, something that's evolved? Oh, Keith, every day I'm learning something new. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I, when you, when you are, when you're a younger leader, and I'm sure there's some younger managers listening to this podcast, you know, there's, you'll look at your life and you'll look at where you are. And then 10 years from now, you'll see yourself in a very, very different light. Uh, and, and without question, I, I now know the playbook that I'm good at playing. I guess it's a bit like in football. You know, certain managers play to a certain style. They know what style works and they know what kind of players work best in their squad. And, uh, you know, over, over the years, I've realized 
given my my personality traits, given my leadership style, what is the playbook I need to use in order for me to get the most out of my team and also to get the, the best results for the company? You've obviously made some extremely big decisions during your career. When you reflect back, because you've talked about reflection with feedback, what is it that lets you know that you're making the right decision? I touched on it earlier on. It's just to make the decision, by the way. So uh, my, 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 my advice with decision-making is, is you definitely need to gather as much information as you can. So there's, you know, the, you, you, you do start to know what are the right questions to ask. You know, the longer you're in business, you know that there's, I'm becoming much better at asking the right questions uh, and getting through the noise to actually understand what's the real, the real essence of the, of the, of the, of the answer itself. What I'll then do, David, which is quite, which is more of a recent learning for me. In the early days, I used to ask a lot of people for advice. You know, that was like, that was probably the, you know, to make the right decision, I needed to ask a lot of people advice. I've now really limited that. I've limited to a few key people whose judgment I really respect and uh, I will get advice from them. That helped me with my clarity of thinking because you will find it in your life. I'm sure when you've asked for advice, you've got so many different opinions, you end up being more confused. Uh, so I find that it's about, you know, knowing, knowing those two or three people who have got good judgment and who will give you an honest answer of what they think. And that's what I use. That's my compass. And if it doesn't feel right, um, there's a gut feeling inside of me. It doesn't feel right. And if I put myself in the customer's shoes and it just doesn't feel right, it normally isn't. There's a feeling about it. It's amazing what that gut feeling does for us, Greg. Uh, well, Keith, I just wish it? people would use it more. How often do people sit in their own businesses and not actually mystery shop their own customer experience? How often do they not put themselves in the exact shoes that the customer is in and evaluate their business from those, those that perspective? You know, and that, that really is quite revealing. On our last, well, on, on a, one of our recent podcasts, Greg, uh, Chris Brinley actually spoke about that. He said, a lot of businesses, look, they have inside out thinking. And he wanted to be outside in where he would be sat in the customer's shoes every day and go, what, if I was the customer today, what would I want? What is it I would want out of the experience as opposed to being sat on the inside saying, this is what we're doing. And that's it. Spot on. I mean, David, I'll give you a lovely quote, which you can remember to build on that thinking, because I, I think his analysis is spot on. You know, I, I always say the closer you get to the customer, the more real the world becomes. The more distant you are from the customer, the more you, you, you kind of, the more diluted the picture is. And my, my, my phrase I always use with my team is the front line produces the bottom line. And I really believe that the frontline team, that is, whether it's the, the people who are taking the calls with customers, the people who are selling to customers who are dealing, the frontline produces the bottom line. They have the best understanding of what's really going on in the business. So for any of those listeners who are, you know, kind of really focused on growing and developing their businesses, I just encourage you to get close to whatever the frontline is saying, because it'll help you, you know, develop your strategy going forward. What are the first things you need to know before you say yes? This is what we're doing. Keith, I'm quite a, quite a detailed uh, person in that sense. You know, I'm not someone who's quite, quite knee-jerk and say, yes, I'm in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I actually will do quite a lot of due diligence to actually understand what, what the business idea is or 
what we're trying to achieve, what's the purpose of what we're trying to do. And then my biggest one, if you want to know the truth, if I'm not, if I'm if I'm the person who's investing in the idea, it's who's the jockey? Who who's the jockey? Who's on the horse? Who's the main person who's driving this idea? Because very often, particularly in startup businesses, that's the real key. Um, the, that individual's ability to adapt their strategy, to adapt their ideas, and their ability to, uh, you know, it's become quite trendy in uh, in in uh, in uh, Silicon Valley circles. Uh, the word pivot, but they have the ability to pivot quite quickly to whatever the need of the business is. So yes, I think if I see the right person with uh, with a solid idea, robust idea, strong business case, but with potential, um, I'm I'm in. And then again, Keith, to be honest, I'm also into crazy things. So sometimes I'll just do something because it just seems like a lot of fun. Um, and that's because I love life. So that sounds crazy. I just like doing crazy things every now and then. Um, and that's great too. Sure. Greg, last one from me. I know my dad will have another one as well, but this is the last one from me. You've been successful now in several different environments. In working in and around high-performance environments, what is it that great leaders do to stay great? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to split your question in two because it could be useful for your listeners because it's a question that a lot of people have asked me. It's like, Greg, you've worked, you know, you're a, you're a director of a football club. You've worked in the car industry. You've worked in car design. You've jumped into financial services now. You're working in financial services, which is insurance and investments and everything. You know, what, what, how do you navigate that? that world and I, the one thing i'd say for particularly people who've been in one career for a long period of time i come back to my same point earlier on if you are willing to be curious if you're willing to be humble and ask questions business is quite common throughout you can transcend industries yes those acronyms will drive you mad because somehow this world has decided to use acronyms for everything and you need to somehow work out what some of these things mean but i'm a big believer um, that people can work in different industries and apply their skill set very successfully in, in, in different areas. And that what I'd probably say is that, you know, coming back to, there's a lot of repetition from me, but I love marketing and advertising and marketing and advertising about repetition. It comes back to that same point we've discussed. And that is great leaders are willing to be humble and are willing to learn. They're willing to ask questions. They're willing to empower their team. They're willing to, they're just willing to um, create an environment that people want to be around them. And I think that transcends sectors, industries. I think it transcends anything. And it, it's everything in life. Even as parents, you know, it's, you, 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 you kind of, um, you create the environment that you, that, that you want your, your family to be part of. Uh, you set the tone. Our final question, or my final question to you would be, what would you say to someone, Craig, who is holding back on following their dream, their passion? It's a difficult one, Keith, in some ways. You know, it's very easy for me to say, just chase your passion, chase your dream, because we all have financial uh, responsibilities um, and we all have, you know, things we need to deliver for our families. But what I would say is chase your, chase your dream, chase your passion in your own way. So even if it is, I'm frustrated in my work, why can't you do something for society then? Why can't you do something for maybe the school that your children are involved in? Why can't you do something for the local community? You know, and I, I, I just always encourage people to, to stretch themselves because when we look back at our life and we connect our dots backwards, 
Yes, we'll be proud of those moments when we led big companies or we were very successful in our career. But I think we'll be most proud of those moments where we made a difference in somebody's life. And we can look back and say, you know, I made that person a better leader or I helped that person through a difficult time. And I think, you know, you asked me the question right at the beginning and I probably changed my answer. That's my definition of success. When I look back one day at my life, I just hope that I've made a few more lives richer than it would have been without me. Greg, this, that was goldest. Not just the last <laughs> answer, by the way, throughout. So we touched on it at the start. For us, goldust is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. And this is going to help people. I think you've, you've sprinkled particles of knowledge all over the place. So from my dad and I, I want to thank you. It's been absolutely excellent. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and your, your energy projects. It's early in the morning here and I'm, I'm up ready, raring to go. And you've filled the room with energy. There's no doubt about that. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time and just keep doing what you're doing and keep spreading all this incredibly, uh, you know, speaking to all these wonderful people and spreading this, these, this incredible, these incredible insights. It's, it's, it is, it is, it is gold dust. So uh, well done. <laughs>